Birmingham City returned to winning ways this past week against Bristol City. We run down all the action from a chilly Damsung Park on this week's show. We also hear from goalkeeper Hannah Hampton and manager Mark Skinner. All of this and more coming up on today's show. Welcome everyone to another episode of the only dedicated Birmingham City Ladies podcast, Grade Since 68. It is episode 16. I'm Craig Hadley and I'm joined as always by Chris Pugh. How have you been this week, Chris? Yeah, good, thank you. Craig, yourself? Yeah, I've not been too bad, thank you. We'll start this week's show by looking back at the 2-0 win over Bristol City, a successful return to Damsung Park, our first win at the home ground since October. Goals from Aoife Mannion and Charlie Wellings secured the win for the home side. I spoke to manager Mark Skinner after the game and here are his thoughts on the match. It's a results-based game and I'm really, really happy. I'm more happy, as I'll always say, whether we win, lose or draw, I'm happy with the performance because I think the girls were disciplined today. I think Bristol are a very good team, very good young team. They've got a good manager, a good structure. So I'm really pleased that we got the result. Um, but I'm really pleased with the performance more than I think the discipline, the attitude and, and that's what will be my takeaway from this, this game. How are you feeling when Aoife was about to step up for the penalty? Mark, obviously after about 300 minutes without a goal, it was um, long overdue. Yeah, I think, yeah, but it's, it's not 300 minutes without a chance. That's the problem. We've created chances. We've done it again in there and we've not taken them. And I think these girls can take them. They're, like, they're good enough. It's just that, you know, it's that part you can't coax out as a coach. It's just them believing in themselves. And when she stepped, I didn't care, to be honest. You should have missed. Our attitude was, right, we're going to take a result from this game. And that's what they showed today. So Eve is a top player. She practices penalties, so you can tell what she's going to do. And we've got one of the best readers of penalties in the game, Anne Katrin. She could tell you where you're going before you know. So she does a lot of work there. I'm really pleased with her attitude, really. That's, that's what it is. Charlie's back in the goals again. Obviously, she had another good game today. She did, and she, like people think she's playing on the wing, but she can cut inside. That's why we're playing in there. She can come in, and eighth is on the opposite side. She's the second centre forward. So, Charlie Wellings has grown so much. People don't look at that. She's grown so much since the start of the season and the spring series, where she was in and out. Well, actually, Charlie's got a bit of run because you know Ellen hasn't been in, so and she's she's made it her own. I've got a lot of players. If they just take their chances, we can score goals for fun. Um, different types of players and, and hopefully we can do that going forward. Mentioning young strikers in England at the moment, obviously like Charlie Wellings is doing really well at the moment. Uh, Lauren Hempy was playing against yes. us today and um, obviously Beth Mead who scored for Arsenal again today. Yes. Um, it, it's a really bright future for the strikers in England, isn't it? And we've got really good attacking options going into the future. Yeah, we have and I think hopefully we can add to that, you know, because I think we've got young Shania Hales coming through and a, a girl called Heidi Logan from the Centre of Excellence. Lauren's a great player, um, you know, Beth's actually shown what she should be should be doing so um, and she's showed that before now she looks hungry again and it's really good to see and I'm really pleased and hopefully my job is to help support that through the England process and make sure we get as many through playing experienced football at WSL 1 as possible but they've got to be ready. Returning back to Damson Park Mark is obviously important ground we've become known of playing really well and getting good results it was it important to come back and get a result as soon as we came back for the first game since October I think it was. It was nice to be here like when were the last time we was here? It's just so frustrating because I, th- I feel that if we get a run of games and, and momentum, and it's like the other way, you know, you don't you play that many games away and lose, 
that actually that's what everyone's looking at. Oh, well, Sunderland, we're away. That was our first game back and we're away. And it's, a, it's not a short journey. Hopefully we can get here, make the second part of the season be key for us because we're very good at, at Moors. Our results are very good and that's what people need to understand. So hopefully we can come put the same performance in and get the results because we deserve it. We haven't had the best of run away from home this season. What do we need to do to correct that, do you think? I think that we started very well. If you watch the Manchester City game, when we're away, Arsenal game, it was that little bit of luck falling for us. Maybe we've had a little bit back today and, and that's what we need as well. You, you have to play differently away from home. We've got to a point where we're trying to get these players to play a different mentality. We've only had it six months to a year with the breaks between. So if you want them to play, you've got to let them express themselves, make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then in a year's time, which is what I always said, you'll start to see them be disciplined and attack. People know what I'm trying to do. Just you've got to be patient on how we're able to do that. So if the, if the fans are just patient, you'll get your rewards in the end. But stick with it. Blues fans are notorious for staying with their team throughout. And that's what you need to do when you go through the tough times and through the good times. So... I just think that we need a, a, a run of it now, create some momentum. Chris, Mark talks about it being long overdue for our return to Damsing Park. When the fixtures first come out, did it strike you as odd that there are so many away games in the first half of the season? Yeah, I, I think that's the computer decides the fixtures and it's the look of the draw, I suppose. But it, it did seem that there was a... Obviously, the Bristol game was supposed to take place in December and didn't because of the, the cancellation. But, you know, we, we have played a lot of away games and you know, away games in the cup as well. So it's been a tricky start to the season, but as you say, it was a it was much welcome to be to be back at home and, and, and familiar surroundings for the players. Yeah, it was nice to be back even though it was a, though it was a bit chilly. It's probably not as chilly as last week for your crest in Sunderland. Uh, you joke about it, Craig. It it matched it, I think. It was absolutely free. I couldn't feel my toes again, yeah. So it's uh it's really nice to have a winter league. So I'd like to thank the FA for that. Indeed. Um, he went on to speak about Aoife's dedication, Chris, uh, Mark Skinner did, of course, uh, to practising penalties and the benefit of having Anne-Katrin Berger in the squad to help with that. He indicated that she can predict where someone's going to put it before they do. How much of a benefit is it to have a keeper like Anne, who has a footballing intelligence as well as the ability in her side? Yeah, it, it, it's obviously a, a massive bonus to have a goalkeeper with, with that knowledge and awareness that you know, I think she showed it in the in the cup semi-final last year against Chelsea. She saved both penalties. She guessed right. Her experience is is invaluable for her in in goal as well. Um, but obviously, as you say, f for the players as well, when, when they're practicing penalties and and they're facing, um, you know, they, they've got to find out ways to beat her, and and it's beneficial to our players as well because their their penalty taking expertise and. And, and, and ability will, will definitely improve having to take penalties against someone like Anne day in, day out in training. Absolutely. Our first goal, as mentioned, came from the penalty spot. The referee pointed to the spot after Sarah Mayling went down under the challenge of Bristol keeper Caitlin Leach. Looking at the highlights, Chris, it seemed a soft one. Never in a million years a penalty, Craig. But we've had a bit of bad luck with, with penalties this season already. Obviously, Arsenal away was a was a dodgy one and Man City away was a dodgy one as well I thought so they say th these things even themselves out and, and we've probably earned a little bit of luck when it when it comes to refereeing decisions you feel a little bit for Bristol because you know even though they weren't you know battering the door down but you know they were in the game at nil-nil and when that penalty is given it it changes the game but you know we've earned a little bit of luck and we were right behind the goal that it was just a block tackle and I, I don't think there was any way it was a penalty, but we've earned, we've earned that look, like I say, 
throughout the season and and um thankfully Eva's Eva stuck it away well obviously it's um being at home obviously the crowd could have been swaying slightly but it, it happens in football as you say the Arsenal game in particular a penalty which I didn't think it was at the time but nonetheless it happens you know you, you mentioned about the the home crowd being at home maybe that's why it we didn't even appeal. I'd like to see it back. I don't know who actually appealed for the penalty. I can't remember many people behind the goal appealing for it. But, you know, the referees give it and give the yellow card to Leach as well. But like I say, thankfully, Aoife put it away and um, and we progressed from there. Yeah, the yellow card seemed a bit of an insult to injury, but... Just a bit, yeah. I was stood there thinking, if she sends her off, this is going to be an absolute horror decision. Yeah, and obviously Aoife Mannion stepped up and emphatically found the bottom corner to give us the lead at the break. There were very few chances before that in the game. Uh, Sarah Mayling came up close a few times, but the Bristol defence always seemed to on, be on hand to block her attempts on goal, Chris. Yeah, first half especially, I thought the thing that impressed me the most, we were willing to get players further forward up the pitch. Sarah Mayling in particular was one, you know, she broke through very early on and and it was a surprise to see Sarah as the one who was breaking through. I think Rachel Feder and it was a, a good last-ditch block from, from the Bristol defence, which, as you say, happened a couple of times in that half. But, you know, even though there wasn't any clear-cut chances, really, you know, one or two um, Rachel Williams in, in, in the box from a Lucy Quinn cross, I remember. But apart from that, you're right, there wasn't many outstanding chances, but at least we were getting players further forward and, you know, we were causing the Bristol defence problems. You know, one or two second balls were just dropping away from our players, which was a little bit unfortunate. Um, first half, we we showed signs that we were better than than the Sunderland performance, especially. Yeah, absolutely. This, it was a much um, improved performance over the Sunderland game, but it was hard not to after that match. But um, uh, Bristol too had a few chances. Lauren Hemp was involved as we expected her to be. Their best chance arrived from Yana Daniels, which um, had a cross goal shot, which was expertly turned around the corner by Hannah Hampton. She just got enough on it to deny Flo Allen a tap in at the back post. She appears to be finding her feet finally, Chris. Yeah, that was a, a really good low save. Daniels has, has hit it low and hard. It's a pretty. She struck it pretty well, and and Hannah's got down really well to her left to to tip it away from goal and also away from Flo Allen at the back post, like you say, as well. So when, when Lauren Hemp's on the ball, I suppose you're always a little bit wary. I thought she was very good again. She's shown glimpses and, and, and bits where, where you think that she's she's a really good player. She's confident and comfortable on the ball and she's got a bright future ahead of her. But, you know, again, like, like Blues, really, in terms of, of clear-cut chances, there wasn't really many where you... Where you thought they were they were in on goal and, and we were in trouble. It was Hannah's fifth senior start and her first clean sheet for Birmingham. I spoke to her following the game and asked her how much it meant to finally get that vital clean sheet. It was important for myself because obviously after other performances, I knew I should have done better in some of the some of the goals conceded. But it also helps the team morale and boosts everyone. And hopefully we can get another clean sheet for the next game. Are you enjoying life playing for the first team? Of course, if you're not enjoying life playing the first team, you shouldn't be really playing football, personally. It's not a great circumstance for me to have my opportunity, but everyone gets an opportunity sometimes, and you just got just got to prove yourself in it. I mean, I haven't proved myself just yet, I don't think, but I believe each game I'm playing, each time I perform better and better, they accept me more and more. Does it feel good to be a part of um, Birmingham, who have a long history of bringing through young keepers in the this division and going on to bigger and better things, like uh, Becky Spencer has gone to Chelsea and obviously the likes that we have now? 
Of course. I mean, Mark's always said from the beginning he's always looking for the young English players coming through and he's hoping to obviously help us succeed in, in our careers. Personally for me, Birmingham's been great. It's from the centre, from RTC, working my way up to the development, into the first team, they've been so supportive. Uh, obviously having Leanne Hall, who was obviously a goalkeeper previously at Birmingham, it's obviously good to have her in the coaching setup to help you grow as a goalkeeper. Leanne's a great coach. I mean, she expects a lot out of us and it's great. It's just helping our ability to improve and she's always helping. I mean, she's a great coach. Everyone knows that part of the England youth setup as well how much of experience has that been and what have you enjoyed about playing for England? England's been a great experience for me I mean it's helped me understand the quickness of the women's game from playing internationally against top teams such as America, Germany and then getting an actual really good performance and getting good results beating Germany, qualifying for the Euros I mean it's helped so much it makes you less nervous before a game you've been through so much I've been through so much in my short career already that I feel like I could go through a lot more, hopefully a lot more, and I won't be as nervous as what I would if I didn't go through more. And uh, finally, could you tell us something that people might not know about you? I used to live in Spain for five years, and I speak fluent seven languages. I know English. There's two Spanish languages. There's Spanish Catalan, Spanish Valenciano, French, German. I know sign language, learned a bit of Chinese. I mean, I've got a lot of languages. Hannah is one of the latest in a long line of goalkeepers to come through at Birmingham Chris. As I mentioned with Hannah in the interview, the likes of Becky Spencer moving on to Chelsea, Mary Earps now at Reading. We seem to have a knack of bringing through keepers, Chris, and arguably the keeper is the most important position in the team. Are we just lucky or is there something behind our ability to bring keepers through? You have to credit the academy. Recent years, obviously, Mark would have been in charge of the, the centre of excellence and now it's Chrissy Torkildson as well, so... You have to credit the development staff and, and the staff at Blues for, for identifying good goalkeepers and, and bringing young ones through as well. You know, Fran Stenson's made her debut this season as well. And we've brought in Anne Catherine, uh, who's who's an outstanding goalkeeper. We've also got Sophie, who's a really good goalkeeper as well, on loan at Bristol. So, you know, in, in our squad, we've got four very good goalkeepers. And, you know, I'm sure the youth ages as well are, are bringing, you know, the, the goalkeepers are developing even more there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there was obviously that sad news that came out within the last 24 hours from uh, Andy Ellery, who's one of the goalkeeping coaches at Birmingham, about one of the under-10s, Chris. Uh, I think her name's Sophie, who's been suffering from an illness that's really uh, put her off uh, being able to play in the last six months. And it's it's, it's sad that um, given that she's been able to attend all the games and stuff, she's just not been able to play. And that's obviously what she wants to truly do. Yeah, it, it is. I, I saw that, you know, obviously we don't we don't know the, the nature of the illness, but you don't want to see any player struck down with, with an illness that keeps you out of the game. For someone so young as well, you know, un, under 10 age, and, and it looks like, unfortunately, this illness is, is stopping her playing. And the way women's football is progressing and growing, in, in six years' time, when she starts to come through and uh, and really make could be making a name for herself, you know, unfortunately this illness has stopped it. It is a shame, and you know, I'm sure there's there's plenty more stories like that up and down the country of girls who are having to give up football for things like that. We are also hoping to do a goalkeeper special in the near future, and I'm hoping to get a word with assistant manager and of course former Blues goalkeeper Leanne Hall about this very subject. So keep an eye out for that one in the near future. Going back to the game now then, Chris, we should move on to the second goal as Marissa Ewers started and she got a, a superb cross for Charlie's goal. Rachel Williams threw herself at the cross, but it was it just missed her. A 
and fell kindly to Wellings. And in contrast to how she was against Liverpool, where she might have had too much time and didn't compose herself for the shot to get the equaliser, she was well composed and she fired the ball home past a couple of defenders and the keeper. She's now our top goal scorer for the season with four. How far can she go, Chris? I think she could go very far. Um, coming through in in the last couple of years, she she scored in the FA Cup final last year, you know, on goal at Wembley in an FA Cup final. There's, you'll struggle to get a, a better moment than that. She worked hard again, whether it was out wide or up front, which she ended up in the penalty area to, to get her goal. You know, she ran solid all, all game and... Um, I think she was in in the right place. Her positioning was good for the goal. She, you know, her technique was good. She got the, over the ball, and uh, there might have been a little deflection, but she, you know, she got the shot on target, which was the main thing. You know, finishing was an issue after the Sunderland game. So all credit to Charlie. She's got four goals this season in in a side that have been struggling to score goals. So I think I think she's shown definitely that she's she's improving week on week, and and she's becoming a big part of that team. Absolutely. And the final big talking point of the game was the return of a certain England international. Ellen White came on for her first appearance since the Everton game back in October. She had a header blocked off the line. She didn't take too long to get back into the swing of things, Chris. No, you could see. I think I think there was a photo from um, from Laura's selection, one of the Blues ladies fans. As soon as she come on, you know, running onto the pitch, she had a smile on her face. And as much as we've wanted her back in the side, I'm, I'm sure she's been desperate to get back as well. You know, it's been frustrating time for, for players when they're out the side with injury. So, you know, delighted to have her back. And, and as you say, she was straight into the thick of it, uh, a chance from a corner. And it's fantastic to see Ellen back. Indeed it is. And it's uh, important to note out that Ellen's been at most of the games, even though she's not been able to play, supporting the yeah. team. And that's nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a sign of the, the team spirit that is at Blues and people who aren't in the team want the team to do well and, and are happy to to come along and share the girls on it is now time for our loan watch segment as we keep up to date with our players on loan at other clubs sophie bagley was unavailable for bristol city this week as they were playing birmingham but coral jade haynes was in action for tottenham hotspur as they took on unbeaten millwall lionesses she looked to have a decent game this week she tried her luck with a volley in the opening few minutes but it was a little too high for the goal amber gayler opened the scoring for millwall two minutes later Haynes was then able to set up the equaliser in the second half. She played a lovely ball through to Sarah Wilshire to equalise 1-1. But a Charlie Devlin double and a late goal from Megan Wynn gave Millwall their sixth win of the campaign. Spurs are still comfortably mid-table in WSL 2. We've mentioned she's been getting a lot of game time, Chris. It's good to see that she's finally got her first assist of the season, given the effort she's clearly been putting in. She's a creative player. Um, you know, I've seen her come through the... The development side and into the first eleven, and and the one thing I, w- I would say is that she's she's got a trick in her, and and she's certainly not afraid to to try try skills and try a few things, and you know, and, and create opportunities for the, for her team. And her and Sarah Wiltshire are are a big part of that Spurs side, and you know, it was no surprise to see them linking up for the goal. Millwall is, is a really tough game for Spurs. I think they're unbeaten in about 14 league games now, Millwall, which stretches nearly a calendar year now unbeaten, which is an unbelievable stat. Losing to Millwall is no disgrace at the moment. They're playing really, really well and, and full of confidence. But, you know, it's good to see Coral on the pitch again, getting game time and, and creating goals, which is what she's good at. Absolutely. And hopefully... Um... The women's football show starts to show more to be yourself too, because if, if it's like this next season, you've got so many good teams playing like this and it's been so so close. We really want to see how these teams get on. Like I said about Millwall, nearly a calendar year unbeaten now, Millwall. 
We don't see any of it. They're banging in goals left, right and centre. You know, Doncaster are playing well in WSL 2 as well. And, and like you say, we don't see any of it on any national coverage. So it would be, you know, that, that would be a real hope next season with the restructure that you would see more action from, from both divisions. Let's certainly hope so, Chris. Also happening this past weekend was the Continental Cup semi-finals. Manchester City and Arsenal make the final once again. Arsenal have made six out of the possible seven finals since the competition began in 2011. The third appearance for Man City, who have won both of their previous finals, including a 1-0 win over Arsenal in 2014. Former Blues player Izzy Christensen with a goal on that occasion. Arsenal have won all of but one of their five finals to date. The location for the final is yet to be announced, but there is some speculation on Twitter that it could be somewhere in the Midlands. What are your thoughts, Chris? Logistically, I think it makes sense if it's if it's near the Midlands. Obviously, you've got Man City fans coming down south and, and Arsenal fans travelling up north. So, you know, meeting somewhere in the middle would make sense. We'll see, you know, we'll see what the FA decides. Yeah, it was, it was Nadia Nadim with the goal for Man City in that semi-final against Chelsea. Two goals in her first two games. If anyone knows the story, this quick start should become of no surprise to you. If anyone would like to know more about her background, I urge you to read Under the Lights and In the Dark by Gwendolyn Oxenham. It's a really good book I'm reading for at the moment. It's got loads of women's uh, football stories, such as Farrah Williams' moment when she was homeless, uh, stuff like that. It's a really, really good book I would recommend reading. Suffice it to say, though, she's been on one hell of a journey and that to get where she is now. I will leave the details of the book in the show notes. Were you surprised, Chris, that Chelsea, given their spring series win and the way they've started this season, they weren't able to overcome Man City? I, I think so, yeah. I think I, I probably would have put them as a slight favourites. Obviously, those two are, are the standout teams at the moment. Um, but the way Chelsea play, you know, the, their progression through the Champions League this year, it's it, it's been very impressive. And I think, I yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I think they were a bit disappointed, you know, they, they didn't really go foot full out and... You know, they, they felt they left a bit out on the pitch, which is disappointing in a cup semi-final. But obviously, Man City-Arsenal as, as the final, which which has been before um, Man City winning that one. So Arsenal want revenge in, in what has been predominantly their competition. The other semi-final is Chris saw Arsenal come from behind. They were 2-1 down against Reading to come back and win 3-2. Looked like an entertaining one, to say the least. Beth Mead put Arsenal ahead, but was quickly pegged back by Brooke Chaplin. Lauren Bruton then put Reading up halfway through the second half before Vivian Medemar and Jordan Nobbs turned it around for the Gunners. There really is something special about Arsenal when it comes to this competition, Chris. They just seem to find another gear. Yeah, they do. And it's, it's that, like I said, it's that big club mentality, big players with, you know, that, ne- that never say die attitude. And Medemar had a, had a sensational summer in the Euros with the Netherlands and, and, and obviously Jordan Nobbs as has done it for for many years now. Big big game players scoring big goals at big times, and Reading probably, you know, we're looking at their watches with ten minutes to go, thinking if we can, you know, we've only got ten minutes to hold out, and and all of a sudden five minutes later they're they're, they're behind, and that's that's what these big clubs can do. Reading have progressed definitely over the last year and a bit, and you know to get to the semi-finals a, a very good achievement but you know it's, it's going to take a, a few years at the top before they get that big club mentality and and really start to push these teams absolutely we will look forward to the final even though blues aren't going to be there this time around hopefully if it's in the midlands we'll see a good uh, contingent of birmingham fans going down to watch the game which is no doubt going to be a pretty good game chris 
Yeah, I think so. You know, two massive teams with experienced internationals playing. I'm, I'm not sure how, how the league games went this season, if they've played each other. But I think I remember Arsenal won at Man City last year. So, that you know, it's going to be an even an even contest. It's going to be a tough game. And, and like you say, if, it, if it's local, convenient, you know, I'm sure Blues fans will, will, will pop along it and have a look. There was a 5-2 win for Man City back in September, Chris. That was at uh, the Academy Stadium. Okay. So. Plenty of goals then, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't expect it to be um, that one-sided this time with the new manager. And it seems like they've finally found their rhythm, Arsenal. Yeah, and in a final as well, I think normally cagey affairs. You know, Man City have scored a lot of goals against teams. But even the final against us, which was played at the Academy Stadium, you know, it went to extra time. And they only won it 1-0, I think. You mentioned their their other Continental Cup final win, which was over Arsenal, was 1-0 as well. So I think finals are normally cagey affairs. Neither team wants to give anything away. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the difference between the league game and, and the cup final. It's also a big week for internationals this week as training camps across the world take place. Ellen White and Jess Carter have gone over to La Manga Stadium in the region of Mercia in Spain till the 24th. Obviously, warm weather training, Chris. It's obviously nice for the players to get away from the cold of the UK for a bit. Yeah, I'd like to go, definitely. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, Ellen joined up with the squad, um, you know, I, th- I think just to get that that extra bit of sharpness, you know, it, it's better for her to train, you know, in, in warmer conditions. You know, coming back from an injury, you, you don't want anything aggravating in the cold or anything, so... Um, Good for her. Good for Jess again to be involved. Um, I think Haley's with the Wales group as well. Um, so you know, you, you hope that they, with games coming up after the international, after this break, you know, you hope they all come back fit and raring to go. Absolutely, Chris. With England as well, the Phil Neville story hasn't really gone away. It's possible he could be confirmed today, given that he lives in Spain. I guess it won't be a, a, a far trek for him to go to for the training camp, but it's it's certainly a weird one, Chris. It's come out of the blue. I, you know, I don't think anybody expected it. My initial reaction is is disappointment um, that they can't find anybody with with women's football experience, or or maybe they're just not interested in that. That you know, it, it, it's more of a marketing decision as opposed to a footballing decision, which will be even more disappointing. But I've heard bits from fans, which, which you know, for the positives, and then and then some for the negatives. More for the negatives, I do have to say, but. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those where you, you know, if he is announced, it, it's a surprise. You know, you look at some of the managers that that could have got it, and it's you know possibly a little bit disappointing. But then, you know, you I suppose you just have to you put your hands up and and, and say this is the FA's decision, and and you get behind the manager then, and and you hope that he can continue the good work that's been done by previous managers to get us to third in the world. Absolutely, and hopefully he brings in someone to work with him that knows the game, someone like maybe like Kelly Smith or something, just to help him acclimatise to the league and stuff, because he, he won't, he, for, for the most part, I don't think he knows most of the players, even though he's just been bulking up on the social media, trying to <laughs> research them. Following everybody on Twitter, yeah. You, you want to work closely with someone like Mo Marley, I think, who has knowledge of the players coming through, because that's my worry, you know. Anybody can watch the, the recent Euros and and see what Jody Taylor can do or Jordan Nobbs can do you know that, that that's not difficult for, for me it's him learning what what Alessia Russo can do and 
and what Charlie Wellings can do, Chloe Peplo can do, Sophie Bagley can do, you know, it's those players coming through. If if he's going to really commit to this role, you know, and not just say I'm here for two years and that I'm going to use the players that I know, you want him to start to learn about about the younger players coming through and and the development of, of those younger players. I think it, it's very important that that doesn't get forgotten in all of this. Yeah, I would agree, Chris. Obviously, with the uh, the She Believes Cup coming up, and obviously Arsenal and Man City are going to be playing in a game quite close to the finals, quite close to their game against yes. some of the clubs in that. It's going to be interesting to see if he does give the chance to some of these young players, if he does indeed get the job, because he's going to have to fill the squad somewhere from somewhere. Yeah, of course, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be a pressure from from Arsenal and Man City as well in that in that respect that you know they don't want their I don't, I don't know whether it's just before or just after the She Believes Cup the final but you know they don't want their players affected by the international break although the she believes cup is is, is a good motivator and a, and a good sense of of where the biggest clubs in in the world are at the moment when they play against each other from a club's perspective you don't want that to affect the players especially with a with a cup final coming up Hayley Ladd, as you mentioned, is joining up with the Wales squad for their own training camp. But theirs is not as uh, sunny and sunny as and exciting as the English one. They're going to Newport, running from the 16th to the 23rd of January. Obviously, the conditions are going to be a bit different, Chris, in Wales. But obviously, they've got that togetherness, the Wales squad. And obviously, that's going to prove important when they play England later in this year. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose the one thing that they could look at is that they don't need to go all around the world for warm weather you know they're they're a group that are together they're they're committed they're they're a real unit and you know that they'll train anywhere and, and, and play anywhere um they're, they're probably not used to going away with warm weather training and things like that you know i think they've got their they're probably going i'm not sure whether it's the cypress or algarve cuff they're they're planning on going to um in a couple of months but you know they'll have a bit of warm weather there so you know just to get the the squad together and, and, and connect again will be good for Wales. Yeah, absolutely. Jane Ludlow's done a fantastic job with Wales and hopefully she does uh, continues to do that, uh, apart from when they play England, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not, not too good, but you know. <laughs> we have no preview for this week as our next game won't be for over a week from now, if it does take place, of course, because the assumption was that it was going to take place on the 26th of January at Hewish Park. But uh, the Yeovil Town game could be potentially postponed uh, the FA Cup tie between Manchester United and Yeovil men's side has taken precedence and the club are now looking for an alternative ground to play the fixture I asked Mark Skinner for the latest on the situation and his thoughts on the enforced change following the Bristol game here is what he had to say I've heard nothing yet I know my general manager is on to that I think we're just waiting for what they can give us at the minute and we'll see whether that's worthy of, of playing the fixture or not but it's just unfortunate because again that's another break in a season where you just can't get any momentum. They moved to winter to make that better, and at the minute it hasn't. It hasn't happened. So hopefully that can happen, and we get the fixture, and we can play and try and take this momentum into that game too. Do you have any opinion on obviously we're a fixture already scheduled for Hewish Park? Them overriding that and prioritising the men's team. I just think that's fortunately the sad nature of football. I think it's a big game, so I understand that that might be important for their club because of the, probably the revenue it could bring to them. But it's just unfortunate it's fell on the same time. You know they could have been away and then there would have been no. But so in this instance, it's probably just unfortunate. Let's hope we can get a better facility that's playable and, and we can play the game. That's what we hope. What are your thoughts, Chris, on this uh, this Yeovil game situation? It's obviously not good for all involved. Yeah, you know, it's really frustrating from 
from the club's point of view, you know, we've had the Bristol game postponed with the weather and now potential postponement or even if it happens on that day, it's not going to take place where we thought it was going to be. You know, so it's just a bit more upheaval on on the squad, you know, and it just feels all very unnecessary. Um, the moment Yeovil drew Man United, I thought, oh, no. You know, that's definitely going to be on TV, but surely they won't chuck our game under the bus, if you like, but they did for the Friday night. So, like I said, it's just a bit more upheaval, but you try and plan for these games. You know, I'm sure Mark and the girls and and the coaching staff will look into put plans in and, and strict time time regimes of, of when we're going to when we're going to be practicing for this game and you know and training in particular for this game and with a week and a bit to go we don't even know when it's going to be played or where it's going to be played so it is very frustrating and you know it's difficult to deal with but honestly from a fan's perspective it's it's no great surprise that that the men's game is is taking precedent really yeah frustration seems to be the the general census of this it's um Obviously, the, the the money that Yeovil could bring in through gate receipts and stuff is obviously important to them as a club going forward. But yeah. why did it have to be on the Friday? They had four days to play the game, and obviously they decided to play it on the Friday. And as a result, it's affected the all the other clubs, including the women's teams. Of course, yeah, you know, and you're asking Man United fans to travel from all over the country on a Friday night to Yeovil and. You know, having to get back from there on a Friday night, it's sometimes the decisions that the FA makes, you know, it's it's ludicrous and, and it, you know, not not much of it makes much sense. But, you know, I think you just have to accept that this is this is their decision. Obviously, looks like Yeovil are the ones who have chosen it for the Friday night and TV companies are happy with that. So that's the way it is. And unfortunately, we just have to deal with it. And that's all for this week's show. Thanks to Chris for joining me. Chris, how can they find you? Yeah, uh, on a- Twitter at AWCAIB. And it's also thanked to Jazar for allowing us to use his song No Control in our intro and outro music. You have been listening to the Great Since 68 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us so you can receive the show every week as soon as it comes out. Just search for Great Since 68 on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio and any other podcast platform you may use. If you prefer to listen through SoundCloud, as I know a lot of you do, be sure to give us a follow on there so you can get notified when a new episode is out. You can also follow the show at Twitter at GreatSense68. Thanks for listening, everyone, and remember, keep right on. (laughs) 